Texas and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So we've been talking all week, really all season, about the Cardinals' struggles to just get a play in on time. All the timeouts they've had to burn, all the timeouts they haven't had available late in games because of all the timeouts they've had to burn. An and, ongoing occurrence. Uh, yes, it, it's just every week. It doesn't ever every seem like week. it's not going to be an issue. Well, all we have to do is turn to our friends up there in the Pacific Northwest because apparently up there it was an issue and it's just not anymore. Versus this constant stress in scramble mode. And oh my gosh, look at the play clock. Are they going to get the play clock off? Oh my gosh, we're going to have to burn a timeout. There's like none of it. It is so unbelievably refreshing. Good for you, Brock. Must be nice. Good, wow. for, good for yeah, you. Yeah, that must be nice to get good, a play in. Good for you. We we actually talked about you quite a bit yesterday. We played some sound bites from your show. Thank you for giving oh, us some uh, some content. No, we, yeah. we 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 weren't ripping you. We're not. Oh, I mean, good. Not, no, no jealous because jealous. we it's, can't get a play call pure, in to save our lives. Pure envy down here. We're, we're yelling at each other. Where where we yeah. have the quarterback yelling at the at the coach to calm the blank down. We I mean every game. I mean we you know we've got Cliff Bingo that we play with the quotes that Cliff's going to say. But every, you can count on it. Every single week, they're going to take a timeout to avoid a delay a game. Like clockwork, every single week they do it. Well, that's what it was with Russell, too. I mean, honestly, that for years and years and years and years. And we thought, wow, well, maybe it's just too many too many chefs in the kitchen. There's Tom Cable and, and Daryl Bevel and, and Pete had a say. And there's just too, there's too much. And then Bevel's out. Cables out, and they bring in Shotty Schottenheimer, and well, you know that maybe it's just, gosh, those two just aren't on the same page. And then Shotty was like up in up in the booth, and then he's down on the field, and they're just trying to get on the same page. And and now no Russell, and it's Gino and Shane Waldron, and it's and and now watch, like they're gonna have to burn like three timeouts this week. <laughs> <laughs> you jinxed them, you totally jinxed them. Yeah. And the Cardinals' operation will be seamless. That's right. And That's right. Smooth and perfect. But they have been so good this year. And the Cardinals do, honestly. They do stress that for an offense because of all the pressure looks and everything they, they do at the line of scrimmage to try to, to try to mess with your counts and mess with your protection. So the Cardinals are a little more difficult defense for Geno and crew to handle. But even in the first matchup, it wasn't a problem. And we used to make fun of Pete. Salk made fun of Pete every Monday. Like, do you not like timeouts? Do you, do you just, do you want to burn them? <laughs> is this, is it in your contract? Do you get incentives to burn con, to burn wow. timeouts? Yeah. And that, that narrative is gone this year, man. Let's 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 talk Geno Smith. We have to start there. Four teams in four different years: the Jets, the Giants, the Chargers, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I saw him in New York plenty of times. I didn't think this guy. I was surprised this guy was still in the league. What has happened to where he has gone from this journeyman quarterback, just trying to hang on, yeah. to being a guy that's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, statistic-wise? Well, he knew that this would be his last chance to be a starter, and he knew of all the teams in the league and there wasn't much of a market for him in the offseason he signed back in Seattle on a minimum deal with some incentives and he'll make you know at this pace somewhere between three and six million bucks because he's going to hit every incentive imaginable and this was going to be the best situation for him he knew the system uh, I, I think he he changed his body a little bit not dramatically but he's in the best shape you know hear guys say it all the time I'm in the best shape of his life but he is I mean just athletically he's he's more agile than he had been the previous three years as a backup 
And, you know, we had Rich Gannon on our show last week, and that's the guy that Pete pointed to to say, hey, there have been guys late in their career where it comes together, where they bank all that banked experience as a backup and all of those mental reps and all that time. The, the Rich Gannon was the name that came to Pete's mind. So we had Rich on our show and kind of asked him, what happened? What, what happened for you in Oakland? And he said the same thing that's happened in the Geno. Uh, John Gruden put his arm around me, and for the first time, I wasn't looking around. For the first time, I didn't look over my shoulder. For the first time, Al Davis and John Gruden said, you're our guy, and you're going to be our guy, and we believe in you. And Pete has done the same thing to infuse that confidence. Gino is an accurate passer. He's number one in the league, obviously in completion percentage, but more importantly, the next level stats, as far as missed throws, right? they, they judge those as on-target throws. Mm-hmm. He's the only QB in the league with a single-digit percentage of, of misses. So he's over 90% on target. Number one in the NFL. And these aren't just little bubble screens and little stick routes. I mean, he's throwing deep outs. He's throwing seam shots. He's throwing in cuts. He's throwing deep overs. I mean, it is just as, it's as shocking as anything we have ever seen in our market. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, he wasn't even in the top 35 preseason like power rankings for quarterbacks. And now he legitimately, legitimately, he's a comeback player of the year if the season ended today and he keeps playing like this he's going to be there with Mahomes and Allen which he is statistically at yeah. the end of the season with Brock Hewer joining us from 710 ESPN in Seattle our good friend we have him on all the time to preview Seahawks games we just had Brock on a few weeks ago because they just played a few weeks ago and that that's kind of what I want to focus on Brock a little bit is three weeks ago we have you on and we're talking about a Seattle defense that just looked putrid. like junk right putrid I'm just garbage hot garbage and the transformation that's happened there explain that to me in our audience because that that to me is where the story is for the Seattle Seahawks during this win streak you guys are on yeah they have finally tied together the the front end to the to the back end uh, the defensive line to the second level to the safeties they got rid of Josh Jones from the lineup he could not play at safety he was killing them the first three weeks of the season missed tackles explosive plays could not make a tackle in the open field so they replaced him with Ryan Neal who played last year was injured in camp and he is just solid. He's a good pro. He's not elite, but he is a good pro in Jamal absence, in Jamal Adams' absence, and replacing Josh Jones. So personnel-wise, that's number one. Number two, they were trying to play a lot of this like big, heavy package, these bare fronts where you cover people up, but they're about a yard off the ball. So they're two-gapping, trying to just catch everything and don't get blown off the ball. Don't penetrate necessarily. Don't get blown off the ball. So just play this like stalemate at the line. But it was it was terrible. It's just not in the DNA of any of those guys, Apuna Ford and Shelby Harris and any of them. So they they quite honestly scrapped a lot of that and said, forget it. We're done with this. We're done. We're done putting Daryl Taylor there. We're done playing this just passive catch everything. And not that they're Arizona, not that they're blitzing, not that they're going crazy like that. But you will see it. They're just aggressive. They're trying to shock and, and shed blocks and, and win at the line of scrimmage. They're doing more of it. And they're just creating a confidence and a belief that was just, well, it wasn't there in the first matchup a month ago. Brock, I'm a big addition by subtraction guy. Not believing that, you know, there could be a good player on, on a team, but it's an addition by subtraction, letting him go, go somewhere else. You had it with two players, not only yeah. Russ, but they also released, you know, longtime star linebacker Bobby Wagner. 
Wagner. Do you believe that those were addition yeah. by subtraction for Seattle? Yeah, I'm a big believer in human nature in my own life experience. And, and I played an indie with a, a superstar, and it was so often like, oh, Peyton will, Peyton will handle it. Oh, Peyton's got it. Oh, Peyton will take care of it. Yeah, Peyton's making whatever. Peyton's a man. You know, and, and it, I think with Bobby and Russell, those are your two captains. And I think that there was a feeling like, yeah, yeah those guys will they'll take care of it. You know, you heard uh, Tyler Lockett say earlier in the week, and he he downplayed it afterwards. But, he, you know, his point was, hey, man, you know, amazing things happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. Pete Carroll said to Salk and I on Monday that Geno's just one of the guys. Neither of those, I think, are rip jobs of Russell nor Bobby or anything else. But, yeah, to your point, man, when everybody else has to pick it up, when you become that blue-collar team and you don't care who gets the credit, when you don't have the highest-paid corner, highest-paid safety, highest-paid middle linebacker, highest-paid quarterback, which is where they were rolling over the years with, with some tremendous players who earn those contracts, and it's a bunch of young, hungry, starving, I want I, I want to get fed, I want to prove that I can play, and let's let, let's face it, guys, all of the – it starts with Geno, and Pete's been terrific with the team build, but we're not talking in this manner if five rookies were not difference makers. I mean, this rookie class, right, yeah. this rookie class has changed, and, and, and it's, a, it's still a rebuild. I mean, they've not accomplished anything. I don't think they can sustain this, but they certainly are going to, with one more win, uh, be the over in Vegas, which was a five and a half at the beginning of the season. But they're here because Tariq Woolen, Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, Ken Walker, Kobe Bryant, and Boy Mafe. Six guys. Five of them are every down, are, are turning into it's every incredible. down starters. I mean, it's just, yeah. it goes back to the 2012 class. In 2012, it was Russell, it was Bruce, it was Bobby, it was um, J.R. Sweezy, who you guys know down there. It was Robert Turbin, it was Jay Howard. I mean, it was it's a lot that, better than Bradley Wettow playing offensive uh, line. Yeah, yeah, quite a, no Bradley quite a distinction I, between those days. So we were here, we were in the same spot last year. The Cardinals were 7 and 0, then they were 10 and 2, and all of a sudden this team that had won, I don't know, eight games the year before, and then five games the year before, and then five games the year before that. Yeah. But the expectations changed. They, when you get off to a great start and you're in first place, yep. all of a sudden, just like, you know, getting to the playoffs isn't enough. Are you at that point in Seattle right now where the expectation, you're all alone in first place, had the expectations changed on how far this team should go? Yeah, for me, they have. I think now that when they play this game, and they've played it for three weeks against three different opponents, right? Against the system in Arizona, uh, a Chargers team that, you know, was in their building and, and Herbert was playing, and then to do it against the physical Giants team on Sunday. They've played this style of game, and that's when you know, you know, it's, it's going pretty good when you can consistently do that. I don't think they're a division winner. I don't think that they're going to host a playoff game, but in this NFC, why not why not a playoff team right if if they play at this level now do the rookies concern me absolutely could they hit a wall late in the year you better believe it this sunday concern me yes because I think it's desperation in Arizona. Oh, yeah. I mean, you fall to three and six and get swept by the Seahawks in a rebuild year. I think Mr. Bidwell is looking at operations and going, what in the heck is going on here? And what are we doing? So you're going to get desperation. Nuke, Nuke Hopkins is playing this time around. He didn't in the first matchup. They got 
after, and you know, the home crowd in Seattle was feeding that D line, got after Kyler Murray, made him uncomfortable. It should be a little bit different in Arizona this week. So yeah, I think you're facing desperation, which is always a very dangerous animal in the NFL. Brother, you ain't lying. Brock, as always, you're awfully, awfully good to us to come on the way you do. We appreciate the time, man. We'll talk always soon. Always fun, okay? boys. Yeah. You bet. Say hi to Robbie Ray for us. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> what, 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 one more shot on the way out the door. Hey, thanks, Brock, for being a good guy. Now let me just get a little dig on the way out the door, right? Uh, I yeah. mean, listen, they're in first place. I mean, i got, I got to come up with something negative about Seattle. I'm running away in the top. Goodbye. Bye, Brock. Yeah, Brock uh, Hewitt, everybody from 710 ESPN in Seattle.